Last week was kind of heavy. It, 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 uh, it brought to light some truth that doesn't often get taught on in the church. And today we're really going to be in the same passage. I, I didn't give Cameron verses. Um, if you've got your Bible, we will be in John chapter 15 again. Uh, actually, 18 through verse, or chapter 16, verse 15 is where we're going to be at. Um, so I, I want to pray. I want to spend some time just, just asking that, that truly we will be listening for the Spirit to speak and that um, we won't hear a legalistic rant, but that we will, we will hear Him speak through His Word and hear what Jesus' intentions were as He taught His disciples. <clears throat> you're looking at me like you're confused. John 15, 18 through chapter 16, verse 15. 15, 18, all the way through 16, 15. Okay, so let's do that now. Let's just pray, and then we'll get started. Dear Father, I do thank you for today. I thank you that you are sovereign and that we can trust you and that while we don't understand many things and that there's many questions that we have and there's many answers that we, that we look for, God, that in the midst of all of that, we can trust in who you are and what you've done and that we can trust that your, that your intentions are for our good. Father, I pray that as we, as we read from your word today and as we, as we hear these words expounded on God, that you would speak. That as, as I mentioned, that, that it wouldn't just be some, some rant or, or that, that it wouldn't be some legalistic tendency to push people to, to be mean to people around them, but that they would hear the, the intent of your heart to, to call us on mission, to move us, to, 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 to move us, to, to reach people, to tell truth, to, to, to care enough to speak your truth, no matter what the cost to ourselves. I pray, Jesus, that you would just be in, uh, be here with us. Spirit, anoint uh, us and, and, and help us. Prepare us for the work that you have for us to do. And so all these things I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. In the prison of Gerla, a Christian named Greku was sentenced to be beaten to death. The process lasted a few weeks during which he was beaten very slowly. And then a doctor gave him an injection. He recovered and was beaten again until he died under this slow, repeated beating. One who led the torture was a member of the Central Committee of the Communist Party whose name was Rek. During the beatings, Rek said something to Greku that the communists often said to Christians. You know I am God. I have the power of life and death over you. The one who is in heaven cannot decide to keep you in life. Everything depends on me. If I wish you live, if I wish you are killed, I am God. So he mocked the Christian. Brother Greco, in his horrible situation, gave Rek a very interesting answer, which I afterward heard from Rek himself. He said, you don't know what a deep thing you have said. Every caterpillar is in reality a butterfly if it develops rightly. You have not been created to be a torturer, a man who kills. You have been created to become like God. And with the life of the Godhead in your heart, many who have been persecutors like you have come to realize, like the Apostle Paul, that it is shameful for a man to commit atrocities that they can do much better things. And so they have become partakers of the divine nature. 
Jesus said to the Jews of his time, ye are gods. Believe me, Mr. Reck, your real calling is to be godlike. To have the character of God, not a torturer. One great lesson arose from all the beatings, tortures, and butchery of the communists. That spirit is the master of the body. We felt the torture, but it often seemed something distant and far removed from the spirit which was lost in the glory of Christ and His presence with us. Richard Wormbrand, the, the one who wrote those words, is the founder of the Voice of the Martyrs. He spent 14 years imprisoned, three of which were in solitary confinement. Imagine three years without touching or hearing or speaking to another person. Fourteen years in prison, three of which were in solitary confinement because he was a believer and he refused to quit preaching Christ. He was tortured for Christ. In fact, that's the name of the book that I took that from. Tortured for Christ. Last week in John 15, we, we came to this, this point of teaching in which Jesus began to deal very directly with His disciples. He, he's been very pastoral with them. He's been, been comforting them and sharing truth with them and, and giving them assurance of the work that He's doing. But He comes to them and He says, now you need to know something that's very important. You're my friends. You matter something. You, you, you matter a great deal to me. And you need to love one another. You need to love one another. And he reiterated that over and over and over to them. You need to love one another. Because of your connection with me, the world is going to hate you. That's why you need to love one another. You see, these men, they were called to be hated for Jesus' name. They were called, let me say it again, and, and you can read it in this passage, Jesus knew all along what their connection to Him meant. He knew all along that this was going to be the life that they were going to live after He was gone. And you'll see that demonstrated in the text today. He knew that this was what was going to happen because of their connection to Him. They were called to be hated for His name. People would hate them because they'd been, these men had been sent by Him, but because they didn't know Him and they didn't know the one who had sent Him. You see, that's what the passage really says. If you begin reading, you, you, you can see that, that as He's speaking to them in verses 18 through 21, you, you can see that this is what He's telling them. If the world hates you, know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. You see, because of this connection with Christ, because of His work in them, because of what He'd done, these men would be hated. Remember the word that I said to you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept you, or if they kept my word, they will keep yours but all these things they will do to you on account of my name. They had been called to be hated because of him. They do not, because they do not know him who sent me. Because they don't know God, 
They won't know Christ, and because they won't know Christ, they won't recognize these men. And because this mission that Jesus Christ gave them to do, they would be hated for His name. And that's a heavy weight to carry. It's a, it's a scary thing to think about. Because you see, that mission that they were sent to do, that mission that they were given to accomplish, as we saw last week, is the same mission that's been handed to each and every believer that lives today. Our connection to Christ sets us at odds with the world. Don't hear me saying that it gives us right to hate the world. Don't hear me saying that it gives us right to condemn them or, or beat them down for being less than we are. But His truth alive in us reveals the lie that they live in. You see, when Jesus was telling them that they're going to be hated, that these disciples were going to be hated because of Him, He wasn't telling them to go out and seek persecution. He wasn't telling them to go and, and just be jerks and self-serving and, and, and uncompassionate towards people. He wasn't telling them to go out and carry around fag, or, or, or signs that says, God hates fags. He wasn't telling them to go be so legalistic that people couldn't understand His grace. He wasn't telling them to go and belittle people so much that they couldn't see the way to repentance and grace. He was telling them to go and speak truth and do it in such a way that it revealed His grace. But He said, there's going to be some who will hate you for it. There will be some who respond to that truth and who come into the family. But there's going to be some that will hate you. In fact, later he tells them that they're going to try and kill him. You see, in that very mission, that very mission is the same mission that we have been given to today. That same mission that we have been sent on. Not to carry around those flags that, that condemn the world. Not to, not to, to be so legalistic and hateful in our acts and in, in our, the way we carry ourselves and the way we connect with one another that we condemn them without a chance of grace. We must teach them about Christ and be hated only for His name. Not for our self-righteousness or our lack of concern or compassion. You see, and as we go on this mission, we may be hated. And that's really the, the, the breadth of the message last week. And I only bring it back into this because there's no way that we can deal with this passage today without having it in our mind and having it in the context of this teaching. Because this is a passage altogether. This is a teaching altogether. And this is what the disciples are hearing as they, as they hear Jesus begin to teach what we're, we're going to focus on today. But you see... The world has no reason to fight as long as we're impotent and cowardly, scared, hiding in our buildings. It has no reason to care what you're doing. But we've been given a mission to do. And here's the great news. Here's the great news. You have not been sent to do it by yourself. He's never left it to us alone. And that's the promise 
but the power that we'll find in persecution. Let's keep going and see what he has to say. He continues teaching. You see, if I had not come, this is in verse 22, if I had not come and spoken to them, they would not have been guilty of sin. But now they have no excuse for sin. Whoever hates me hates my father also. If I had not done among them the works that no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have seen and hated both me and my father. But the word that is written in their law must be fulfilled. They hated me without a cause. Before we go any further, we need to understand this. There is no man or woman alive that stands with an excuse to their unrighteousness. There is no excuse left. Jesus stood there and He taught His disciples because they've seen Me. I, he, he's, he's not saying there's not sin in their life. He's not saying that, that, that they, they were perfect before Jesus came. There, there was always sin. The, the sin began when Adam and Eve fell and, and rebelled against God and went their own way. That began to reign in people's lives. That's the teaching of original sin in people is that, is, is that that's who we are. But because He had come because He had done the work of God, because His power was revealed, because He had shown Himself to be God Himself in flesh, there was no excuse to not know the way. There was no excuse left because Jesus had made it evident that God had made a way for redemption. That God had done a work and come into the world to, to do the work of redeeming His people. You see, Jesus came to reveal God. He came to show the Father to the world. And He taught this not just in this passage, but He taught it before. In, in John chapter 8, verse 19, He says, You know neither me nor my Father. If you knew me, you would know my Father also. He came to demonstrate the, the presence and, and the reality of who God was. John 14, 9 says, <clears throat> have I been with you so long? He's teaching his disciples now. In fact, he was being, he was comforting them and telling them that he was going to be gone. And, and Philip, you know, I, I think Philip with, with great earnest and, and, and a desire to truly see God revealed says, just show us the Father. Just show us and, and that'll be enough. And, and Jesus looks at him and says, Philip, have I been with you so long? Have I been with you so long that you don't get it? He says to him, <clears throat> whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? You see, he revealed God to the world. He showed the world who God was and what he was about. Yet as we see in those verses, he was hated. He was despised. They, they, they set about a plan to kill him and get rid of him because he was at odds with them or, or they were at odds with him. Everything that he taught, everything that he taught and stood for was against them. They, 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 they could only see him as ruining their way of life. There's a song that I, I, I enjoy. It's a, it's a rap song, actually. Um, and I haven't listened to rap a lot since high school, but, but I like this song. It's by a guy named Lecrae, and it's, it's about being a rebel. And in the midst of it, in the middle of the rap, there's a preacher who preaches and he talks about the very truth, the, the, the very fact that Jesus was a rebel. You see, in that day and age, it was all about living in, in your self-righteous ways, living to the law and, and, and fulfilling the law and becoming righteous of your own power. And Jesus showed them that there was no way that that could happen. 
It wasn't going to be by their own power, that it wasn't going to be by their own works, that they must trust in Him, that they must believe in Him. And they said, there's no way we can believe in you. You're a blasphemer. You're against us. You're, you're, you're taking everything we've ever thought and ever believed to be true and tearing it down. We will not believe in you. We hate you. And we're going to kill you. See, today, today, people in the world, they say things like, we love Jesus, but we hate Christians. T today, they, they look at the people who have become followers of Christ and they hate us instead of Him. You see, I can't help but think that this is, that this is that passage being revealed. That this is the, 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 the teaching of Christ being, being seen as, as, as truth. They're gonna hate you because of me, because of your connection to me and because of what I've done in you. They're gonna hate you. You know, sometimes this may be justified because there's people who call themselves believers who are still living in a self-righteous way and, and trying to stand up and, 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 and prove themselves worthy of, of God's love and prove themselves worthy of God's salvation. And they stand and they point their finger at everybody around them and they say, you're less than me. Look at who I am. Look at what I've done. I am a good person and God loves me because of that. See, but a true believer understands that there is no footing to stand on in the work we do. That we are only here as believers in Jesus Christ by the grace and mercy of our God who saved us. You see, we don't look at the world and hate them for the acts that they do because we understand that they know no better. We look at the world with compassion and concern because we know had God not saved us, we would be headed in the same direction they are. You see, we look at the world with a tender care and desire to see Jesus alive in them so that they will know the, the, the same hope and assurance that we have that one day we will be in His presence forever. Never to hurt. Never to feel pain. Never to cry. Never, never to sense loss again. To be completely full of joy and peace. To, to be, to be complete and whole. To be content in everything and no longer longing for anything. You see, that's the hope we have. And as we recognize that they're missing that, it should build in us a desire that they know it and, 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 and believe it and trust in it. Not to just get them to act like we act. Jesus, the Holy Spirit, the work that He does in them, that will happen. But to go to them with that truth that they can't stand on their own and that they need a Savior. But some people, as we speak to them, will hate us. Some will respond. Some will hate us. And they'll say that they hate us and love Jesus because the truth is they don't know Jesus. And they don't know who sent Jesus. You see, people love Jesus only as far as they recognize Him to be a non-confrontational dude that accepts people right where they're at and never says, you're in sin. You need to turn from that and live a righteous and holy life. You see, people love Jesus just as far as they can as long as He doesn't ask them to be something different than they are. 
People love Jesus because they think Jesus comes to them and, and is their servant and is at their beck and call and is, 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 is under submission to them. The truth is, Jesus is an authority. And He says, trust in Me. He says, obey Me. He says, follow Me. You see, they don't know Jesus. And they don't know the One who sent Jesus. But because of that, they will hate us. That's heavy. It's hard to carry. How can we carry it? I mean, imagine. Isn't that the call? Isn't that the thing that people just, you would think, would just run and sign up for? Isn't that the thing that would just excite people to be a part of? Come and be with me and follow me and love me and, and, and I will save you. But you know what? You're going to be hated. Isn't that the call that's going to have people lined up down the street just packing out our buildings? I want to be hated by the world. Probably not. And that's why we don't preach about it much. That's why we don't talk about it much. But I think it's pretty plain. He continues to teach. He says in verse 26, When the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, He will bear witness about Me. And you also will bear witness because you have been with Me from the beginning. You see, the, 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 the first look and, and the first sense is that you're going to be hated. You're going to be sent and you're going to be hated. But listen, you're not going to be doing this alone. The helper that is going to be sent is going to bear witness about me. He's got this work of revealing me to the world around you. And you, you too will bear witness about me. The very first look that we took at the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit of God, was just a few weeks ago. In fact, it's in this same teaching as Jesus is dealing with His disciples and He's comforting them. I want to flip back to John chapter 14 and I want you to just thumb through there with me just real quickly and talk and, and, and look about it because I, I think we need to have this in our heads. The disciples had it in their heads. All of this for the disciples happened in just a matter, a, a short period of time. This has happened for us in weeks as we've picked apart these passages and heard Jesus' teachings. But He says to them, in John chapter 14, he, he tells them that, that I am going to send, I will, I will ask the Father and He will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees Him nor knows Him. You know Him, for He dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. In that day you will know that I am in my Father and you in me. You see, Jesus is teaching about, his, about this coming Spirit. He's, he's helping them see that, that the Spirit has a focus and a ministry that's going to be done to the people of God. 
He says, I'm going to send another helper. The, the, the phraseology, the, the grammar there helps us see that it's another of the same kind. He is of the same essence. He's, he's of the exact same, same personality, the, the same, the same God. It's the same everything. It's just a simply a different person. And here the Holy Spirit comes. The, the, the same. To help them. And, and some translations would say, as, as a comforter, I like the way this translation breaks it out because I think comforting it, it, it just simply, it, it, it makes it too narrow. Because the Spirit has come to help the people of God in life, not just in pain and suffering, but in life, to help us be and become who He created us to be. He also says that He's going to be with us forever. He, he will never leave us alone. He, he will be, us, be, be with us from, from now to the end of all time and, and beyond. He leads us into truth. He assures us of Jesus' identity. And He lives within us. You see, the Holy Spirit is not some distant being that is, is disconnected from us, but in the people of God, He lives in us. It's the very presence of God within us. And Jesus says, I'm not leaving you as orphans. I'm going to make myself evident to you. We're going to realize His truth and, and His identity and His presence with us by the very presence of His Spirit within us. You see, that's the promise of the Holy Spirit for those that are His believers. But this passage, as Jesus begins to teach again on the Spirit, this passage helps us see that He has another mission as well. You see, His mission is to make Jesus evident to all of the world that none will stand with an excuse. I never knew. I couldn't have known. It was never revealed to me. You see, He is revealing Jesus Christ. He is making Him known. It was His job to reveal this truth. And you see, the, the interesting thing is, is that, that just before, behind understanding that and hearing that, Jesus says, and you will be witnesses too. Because you've been with me from the beginning. You see, the idea here is, I think that, that he sets up this mission for the Holy Spirit. And he tells these men that they are going to join the Spirit of God on this mission. In this work, they are going to be doing the same exact thing that he is doing. You see, when we teach about being filled with the Spirit and being and experiencing the power of God through the Holy Spirit, we talk about things like prosperity and, and, and health and wealth. And we think that the Holy Spirit has come to make us feel comfortable here in this world. But that's in total opposition to what Jesus is teaching here. He's saying, go, no matter what the cost to yourself, and join the, join the Spirit on His mission. His mission is to reveal me. And if you want to experience His power, if you want to know who He is and what He's doing, join Him. Become one with Him. Submit and follow Him. You see, all too often, we're asking the Spirit to come to us and do for us. Oh, Holy Spirit, give me a good job. Oh, Holy Spirit, give me direction about whether I should buy this house or this one. How, Holy Spirit, should I spend all this money I've been blessed with? You see, that's how we approach God. And, and we want to experience this power in those things. And don't hear me saying that those details of life, that, that, that God is not interested in them. I, I believe He is. But first and foremost... If you want to experience His power, join Him on His mission. Because that's where you've been promised that He is always working. You will never go wrong in bearing witness to Christ 
Because as you do, you can be sure the Holy Spirit is doing it through you. You see, we want to experience His power and presence in our lives, but we are not going to sense it from the, from, from, from the temporary things that this world has to offer. We're going to experience it as we join Him in the work that He's come to do. You want power? And you want the assurance that in the midst of persecution you will know His presence? Bear witness to Jesus Christ. Oh man, all this power and all this presence is something that people would just sign up for, right? It's something that people would just want and they'd line up for it. That's not true. Unfortunately, it's not true. And Jesus knew that and He began to teach further and He begins to break it down for them more. He says, he says to them in the beginning of chapter 16, verse 1, I have said these things to you to keep you from falling away. You see, Jesus knew if He didn't say this now, that these men would get in the middle of the persecution, they would get into this place where they were hurting and they were being beaten up and they were being, and they were being killed for, for their faith and being, being, uh, tortured because they knew Jesus Christ and were connected with Him. He knew that they wouldn't be able to last. Jesus must have got it wrong. He must not have been the guy that He said He was. He knew they needed to know it now. And he says, they will put you out of the synagogues. You will be cast out. You won't even be allowed to be around your people. Indeed, the hour is coming whenever whoever kills you will think he's offering service to God. These are righteous people, or so it would appear. These are the, 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 the people that, that say, hey, we know God, and we follow God, and we do what God wants us to, and you don't, and you're dead. You don't look like us. You don't smell like us. You don't act like us. You're not following our law. You're not submitting to us. We're going to kill you in His name. See, those things would have begun happening. And His disciples would have been confused and they would have been distraught and they wouldn't have known what was going on. But Jesus tells them this so that they would know it was coming. And they will do these things because they have not known the Father nor Me. But I have said these things to you that when their, when their hour comes, you may remember that I told them to you. See, I did not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you. You see, Jesus, He, he, didn't, he didn't go to them. He didn't go to them, and he didn't go to Matthew and say, Hey, Matthew, come follow me. I'm going to make you hated by men. Come on. He said, Come, follow me. He didn't go to Peter and James and John and Andrew, and, and he didn't go to them and say, Follow me, because I want you to be killed for my name. See, he didn't need to, because he was there. You see, people didn't hate them when Jesus was there. Who did they hate? They hated Jesus. You see, Jesus says, come and follow me. I'm with you. I'm going to protect you. I'm going to lead you. I'm going to teach you truth. I'm, you're, you're going to abide in me and I'm going to give you power and I'm going to give you presence and I am going to be with you forever. I am never going to leave you as orphans. But when I'm gone, they won't be blaming me anymore. They're going to blame you. You see, and this has been happening since the very beginning. The world does this at every turn. The people of the world do this at every turn. Adam and Eve in the, in the garden. And at the very beginning of all of our problems, they eat the fruit that God said, don't eat it. They eat it anyway. And God knows it. He comes to them. He says, uh, hey, what are you doing wearing clothes? You know, where, where, why are you hiding? What's going on? Oh. 
Adam says, that woman you gave to me, well, she ate that fruit. <laughs> you think about that. He ate the fruit too. And rather than be responsible, that woman you gave me, he blames the woman and God. Hey, it's your fault, really. You stuck her down here with me. I was really okay till you, till you made her. Really, I, I could have just hung out with the animals. And we've been blaming people ever since. You know who he blamed? The serpent. We've been blaming people ever since. And the world, as they look for an excuse to stay in their unrighteousness and hide in their darkness, as they hear the truth of Christ proclaimed, they are going to hate. But it gives us no excuse to cower and not preach the truth of the gospel. It's their only hope. It's like dealing with children who want what they want, but not what they need. They need to hear the truth. And who's going to tell them if we won't? Who's going to tell them if we won't? You see, the great thing about the, the Holy Spirit being in us and living in us is that, the, that, that His presence in this world, that God's presence in this world becomes known through His people. Why did he choose to do that? I don't know. But he did. And he says, you need to be who I've created you to be. You need to be on the mission I've given you to do. So that people can hear my truth. And they will continue to stand with no excuse. It's pretty interesting because he goes on and he says, I didn't say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you. See, they're going to hate me. But once I'm gone, they're going to hate you. But now I am going to him who sent me and none of you ask me where you're going. But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. It's a heavy burden. It's a heavy weight. It's hard to imagine that somebody might not like us. How many of us get up in the morning and just hope we can go make enemies? And I hope I, I hope that I get to get a chance to make somebody hate me today. You know, I hope, I, I hope I can go out there and just make somebody so mad that they want to smack me. Most of us don't walk around like that. There's some sickos out there that probably do. There may be some of you in the room. But the truth is, most of us don't. We want to be liked. We want people to enjoy being around us. And so it fills us with sorrow. It filled His men with sorrow to know that they might be hated, that they might be killed. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. It's to your advantage that I'm going away and they're going to hate you. How, what could you mean? It's to my advantage. Why don't you just stay here and let them keep hating you and that way they like me. It's to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. You see, here's the interesting thing. This is, this is beautiful. Jesus was a man. 
He was God who had taken on flesh and who, who dwelt among us. And, and so he was no ordinary man. But he was confined to one place. The Holy Spirit is everywhere in all of his people. You and I can experience Christ and his presence at the very same time that people in China are experiencing Christ and his presence because Jesus Christ left. And the Spirit came. Had He never left, the Spirit would never have come and we wouldn't know Him today. That's amazing. And we can know His power as we join Him on His mission. He keeps going and He begins to expound on what what the Spirit was going to do. The Helper will not come to you, but if I go, I will send Him to you. And when He comes, when He comes, this is the mission He's going to do. This is what He's going to do, and this is the mission that you should do with Him. When He comes, He will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin because they do not believe in Me. Concerning righteousness because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer, concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all truth, for He will not speak on His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak, and He will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for He will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said that He will take what is mine and declare it to you. The Holy Spirit has a very specific mission with the people of God. To to bring to them the knowledge of truth. To show them the presence of Christ. to, To work in them the work that Jesus Christ has to do in them. We studied that a couple of weeks ago. He reiterates it here. But He also has the mission of convicting the world of sin. Why are you hated? Why do they hate us? Because we convict them of sin. You know, there is no way in the world, there is no way in the world that a person can come to grace without recognizing sin. And in fact, if you look at a person, if you look at at the world around you and you see no conviction of sin, that is evident that there is no work of the Spirit going on. You can see this in our nation. We are hardening just, just slow and steady as if we're a frog being boiled in water. Think about abortion. You know, back in the day when it, when it first began, it, it, it was, it, it happened at the cry and the outcry of God's people in this nation. Oh, and there's still people that stand against it and they still cry out against it. But there have become people so hard and so just, uh, just calloused against the, the, the protection of life that not only do they allow babies who haven't formed to be aborted, they can be partially born and then killed. That's hard. And there's not just people doing it, there's people standing up and defending it and our right to it. That tells me that the Spirit is not working, that He's not convicting them of sin because that's His job. It's a scary place to be. Because when the Spirit's not convicting of sin, how will we ever recognize righteousness and what it looks like? 
It's His job to show us our sin, to show us how far we've fallen and how desperately we need the righteousness of Christ. It's His job. You see, Jesus isn't here to set the example any longer. When He walked the earth, He was present with them and they could see His actions and they could see the way He reacted in situations and they could hear His teachings and they could feel Him and they could, they could touch Him. They could see His righteousness. They could see His goodness just overflowing out of Him. See, He was going to be gone. He was going away. And the Spirit would convict of sin. He would show us righteousness. He would show us what we should have been. What we can be. If we just trust in Christ. Remember, Jesus said, you got to believe in Me. you got to trust in Me. This is what comes when you believe in Me. He shows us what we are without Jesus and what we can be with Jesus. And then He reveals what will happen in the end with no Jesus. The ruler of the world is already judged. For people without Jesus, there is no hope. They are condemned is it worth going and telling this truth that they might have the chance at life some will hate us some will respond we don't know who they are We could sit next to one other, a person every day and assume that they would never trust in Christ. And all they're waiting for is that time that God has set aside for them to hear the truth that they might respond. You see, you want to know the Spirit and His power? You must join Him on this mission. You must boldly proclaim the truth. Not in a legalistic and self-righteous manner that belittles people for sin, but shows them the truth about it, what it leads to, and that Jesus Christ provides the way of life. Some of us, some people, will hate us. And I couldn't help but think as I read that story about Richard Wormbrand and his friend Greku who was beaten to death over a period of a week or more. And I couldn't help but think about how that Roman, or not Roman, but that, that, that communist guard spoke to him and said, I am God. I have the power of life over you. If I wish you live, if I wish you die. Quit believing that lie. Jesus Christ sat in front of, in, in front of Pilate, and Pilate says, why don't you answer me? Why don't you tell me what I want to hear? Because your life is in my hands. And Jesus said to him, the only power you have over me has been given to you from above. You see, when we go out into the world and we're hated and we're persecuted, they have no power over us for what's been given to them from above. We belong to Him. And He has given us a mission to do. 
And that's to go and tell the truth about His love and grace and the fact that He came and He put on flesh and He dwelt among us and He lived a perfect life and He died a sacrificial death that we might know salvation and the hope of His glory. And if we're not willing to be hated, that others might hear that truth, I can't help but wonder if the Spirit's not convicting us has He quit convicting us? It's a scary place to be. It's not where I want this church to be. I want you to feel a compassion for the lost because you and I were there. You and I without Christ would not know this hope. And I know that God is sovereign and that He knows His people, but He sent us to find them. And we want His power and presence. We must join Him in this mission. No longer cowering and afraid. Bold and courageous. Trusting in Him and His power and His presence in our lives. Because we know this truth, we have two options. Every, every time we go out into the world, every time we, we, we take a stance or, or we say a word, or we have two options when it comes to, to, to this thing that we study today. We can be an offense to people or we can be an offense to Christ. That's our choice. That's our choice. And that is why it is so absolutely imperative that we remember His command to love one another to live in community, depending on one another, seeing the body stand together because we will go into the world and some will hate us. But we will stand together. We are not alone. The Spirit indwells us, His people. And that is why it is so important that we stand together.